This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's Yo, what's up, Finn fan? It's Kyle Krabs, the host of Finn It to Win It. We are here to talk about the festivities that is the free agency madness in the NFL right now. And uh, we got a lot of talk about, we got a lot of departures we need to acknowledge and tip the cap to. We have a lot of new faces that we need to say hello to. Maybe not as many new faces or as high-profile new faces as what you're used to in years past, but that's okay because the other thing that we're going to do today on the show is we're going to explain the difference between team building and tanking because it seems to be something that a lot of people really have a hard time wrapping their minds around that, no, you don't necessarily have to be tanking in order to try and build your team's foundation from the ground up. And listen, you don't need to look any further than the first year the Buffalo Bills hired coach Sean McDermott within the division, and they went 9-7 and seven despite cutting all these good football players. And this was a roster that was kind of stripped down and the competition that they promoted was what really allowed the Buffalo Bills to go 9-7 and seven and make the playoffs, and they damn near beat the Buffalo or the Jacksonville Jaguars in the playoffs that year in a season in which the Jaguars should have gone to the Super Bowl. They let those damn Patriots off the hook. So we'll talk about the differences in team building versus tanking because I don't think this team's really looking to Sashi Brown in. They're not looking to just suck, uber suck for years on end. Listen, as cool as it would be for you to tell me that you could guarantee the Miami Dolphins in 2021 could be starting Trevor Lawrence at quarterback, I don't think that's the vision here. I don't know what the vision is. I don't know what the vision is at quarterback, but we're going to find out. But I don't think it involves purposely stinking for two years. And here's why. You look at some of the names that the Dolphins have been able to bring in to this early juncture in free agency. It kind of fits what I've talked about over at Dolphins Wire. Talking about the model and mold of players that are going to fit what the Dolphins are looking for. They want competition and then they want culture. You know, Coach Flores has talked a ton about culture, the culture of the team. You know, we want culture, guys. We want a good culture here in the locker room. We don't want me first, guys. 
So what do they do? They go out and sign veteran tight end Dwayne Allen, who they're very familiar with, from New England. He's the team's banner-free agent. You get the negotiating window and tampering window. And teams are trading for Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham or signing Trey Flowers to a $90 million contract, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. And the Dolphins social media team, God bless them, they're trying to pump up a Dwayne Allen press conference and really give that thing some run. He's a culture guy. He's an experienced guy. He's lost a lot of his athleticism that he had coming out of Clemson. Now he's, strictly speaking, a blocking tight end, and quite frankly, the only blocking tight end that we have on the roster right now. Um, They've also brought in another tight end that I think does not bode well to the trio of young guys that they add here. But Dwayne Allen, you know exactly what you're getting from the Dolphins' coaching staff. You're a guy, or he's a guy that you've worked with intimately and closely in the past year. He knows the coaching staff. He's going to allow the Dolphins to use some of their other tight end pieces, the ones that they keep, in a way in which they should be more used based on their skill set. Here's looking at you, Mike Gusecki. The other names, names like Eric Rowe from New England, Clive Wolford, who this front office has apparently liked for quite a while now, and now that Reggie McKenzie's in town, you can go, just go ahead and lock it in. You knew they were going to sign Clive Walford, the tight end from the U, Miami. And um, these are young guys, guys drafted in 2015. Their careers have not materialized the way that they would have hoped. But then now they're guys that were talented. Rowe and Walford were both top 70 picks in 2015. Haven't materialized for whatever reason, but they've got talent, and now they got a chip on their shoulder because they need to prove they can play now. And a guy like Eric Rowe, Philadelphia Eagles drafted him in the top 50. I got my scouting report up. You guys know I'm a, I'm a, a scout first. I'm a football guy first and foremost. And I looked at Eric Rowe, and I looked at my report from Eric Rowe, and I had a glowing report of Eric Rowe. He's my number two corner that year. Whoops, to a certain degree, behind Marcus Peters. In front of Byron Jones, Trey Waynes, Kevin Johnson, who's also been cut by the Houston Texans. Bobby McCain was in my top ten corners in this year's class. Ronald Darby. It's a nice group of corners. And and, uh, Eric Rose right up there with him. From a physical perspective, physical specimen, Measured in at the combine, it's six foot and five eighths of an inch, two hundred four pounds, thirty two and a half inch arms. Ran four four five, thirty nine inch vert, ten five broad, sub four second short shuttle. Athletically, this dude has the goods. Haven't been able to coach it out of him yet, but hey, he's playing for his life now. You got him. Yeah, Cordrea Tankersley is guys that could potentially be competing for the outside corner position opposite of Xavier Howard. Both those guys are physically gifted. They're physical. They're big. They kind of fit that model that Xavier Howard's kind of established for this roster. And I think that's a great thing. I want to read through some of my notes on Eric Rowe when he was coming out in 2015. Rowe is the makings of a good boundary corner, ability to play off with efficient feet or up in the face of receivers as press corner suggests a versatile player capable of working numerous schemes. Hey, what did the Dolphins say they want to do this year? They want to be multiple. 
I think Eric Rowe does still have that physical ability to be a multiple corner. But obviously, this has not manifested itself. But that's why you take these low-risk signings, these short-term, low-money signings, and you bring these kinds of guys in. Because if you get the light bulb to come on, then it's a huge win for you. It's a really attractive situation from a financial perspective for a team that wants to promote competition and culture and guys that they know. They're obviously going to be more more comfortable with bringing in to be a part of that structure. And as I spoke about just a minute ago, Clive Wolford's another name that qualifies for that exact same criteria. A young guy, drafted high, had talent. I wasn't as high on Wolford coming out in 2015 as I was with Eric Rowe. Wolford's a guy I had in my top 150. He was my sixth-ranked tight end behind Tyler Croft, who just signed in Buffalo. Uh, Devin Funches, who just got a $13 million million deal to play wide receiver for the Colts. Max Williams, who's hanging on by a thread in uh, Baltimore. Jeff Hireman, who's been really beat up with injuries, shown some potential with the Broncos. And uh, Rory Anderson was my fifth-rated tight end from South Carolina. Walford was six. Top 50 or top 150 grade. And here are some of the notes that I had on Clive Walford coming out of the University of Miami. Walford is still adjusting to added weight during his college career. Uh, has enough receiving skill to be considered a contributor at the position at the next level. However, he will be likely best suited either dropping weight to increase his dynamic movement ability or bulking more to become a formidable blocking tight end too. So Walford was a guy that came into college pretty light. He bulked himself up to the mid-250s in order to kind of be a two-way player. And uh, he didn't test particularly well at that size. So depending on what Miami wants him to do may dictate if they ask him to gain weight, cut weight, continue to kind of reshape his body and hone it to make the most of this opportunity. Walford's an interesting name because, as I said, this the front offices liked him. Walford was on the waiver wire last April, and the Dolphins put a bid in and got outbid by the Jets. So Walford's on the team. Cut by the Jets in early September. I think he gets signed by the Colts. Is on the Colts for like a week mid-season last year. And then gets picked up for the final three or four weeks of the season by the Jets again. Familiarity. Dolphins didn't miss him this time. But again, drafted in 2015. Low-risk signing. Short-term. Little dollar amount. It's hard not to like these kinds of signings because there's a reason why these guys were highly coveted draft picks at one point in time. Before we go any further, I'd like to talk about Teddy. Teddy Bridgewater. We're on Bridgewater Watch, people. And this is, uh, this is interesting. Had a lot of people ask me, why would you want the Dolphins to sign Teddy Bridgewater when you are expecting the Dolphins... To tank and be looking for a first-round pick in 2020 that they can use on a quarterback. Again, some of this comes to the expectation for me is not that the Dolphins are eagerly looking to tank. But I'll talk about that as soon as I'm done talking about Bridgewater, who the Dolphins had in yesterday for a free agent visit. That visit ended without a contract being offered as far as we know. There was no contract finalized. 
I think it's fascinating to read through some of the media discussion points that remind you just how much Teddy Bridgewater has South Florida in his veins. And if that's something that the Dolphins can play to their advantage. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater grew up in South Florida, played his high school football here, uh, grew up rooting for the Dolphins. So there's a little bit of hometown cooking here. Omar Kelly, last night, Teddy Bridgewater lives in Miami, trains in Davie, and has dreamt about playing for the Dolphins his whole life. We'll see if Miami can make it happen. I mean, what else could you possibly want for a guy if you want him to be a part of your franchise than to have this history and relationship with your team that that stretches back his entire lifetime? That's a great start. And Bridgewater is another name that I dug out my scouting report on from 2014, which is my first year in the industry. And Bridgewater... Uh, was my top-rated quarterback. My top three were uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Derek Carr, Johnny Manziel. Whoops. But that's okay because Blake Bortles was down there at QB8, and Blake Bortles just got cut yesterday, which we may end up talking about at some point on this show because I'll be damned if Blake Bortles might not end up as a cut being a candidate for the Dolphins to sign. They love cut players because that's not going to impose on these compensatory picks, especially a quarterback. It's risky business. You better, you better be sure you like who you're getting if you're going to spend free agent money on a quarterback on an offer that's going to qualify you to negate compensatory picks, which we know right now the Dolphins are all about. Bridgewater. Coming out of college. Bridgewater, make no mistake, is still the top quarterback in the 2014 class. He has the refinement in all the little areas of the quarterback position that set him apart from anyone else in 2014. His footwork is fantastic. Nimble and light on his feet, getting back into his drops. He displays a great mental grasp of the game, picking apart defenses and properly identifying his reads. Bridgewater has athleticism you don't expect, and he's outrunning pursuit angles of rushers. Very balanced, well-polished prospect. Bridgewater shows proper throwing fundamentals on the move, squaring his shoulders, and get, getting torque on the football. He won't blow you away with the ability to hammer the ball into tight windows. He's got good accuracy, but not immaculate ball placement. Simply put, Bridgewater lacks the kind of natural elite arm talent to separate himself into the once-in-a-generation level of prospects. There are some expressed concerns about his frame and durability, but I don't foresee it being an issue there. Overall, Bridgewater is the most talented quarterback in the 2014 class. Okay, so all that to say this, uh, we don't really know what Teddy Bridgewater is right now because he hasn't really played because he had a catastrophic knee injury during his time in the Minnesota Vikings that nearly cost him his playing career, nearly cost him his leg, and it's ironic, you know, there was this whole narrative. I remember the year Bridgewater came out and they talked about his skinny knees. Bridgewater's got skinny knees. Doesn't that scare you? And then he's in practice and he almost loses his leg to an injury. And thank goodness it didn't come to that. But Teddy's been really limited in his reps and what we've been able to see from him ever since. So that's why I want the Dolphins to strongly consider and push 
for Teddy Bridgewater because as long as it's economically friendly, your risk of bringing in Teddy Bridgewater is what? He comes in and he stinks because he's never going to be the same as the player he was before the injury. Losing a lot of that athleticism, that's fine. I thought he won fine from within the pocket at Louisville anyway. But if he comes back and he doesn't suck, guess what? You might have just had a kid that's super passionate about your team come in, have the opportunity to start, compete to start, and now there's no such thing as too many good quarterbacks on your roster. So even if the Dolphins go out and they draft a 2019 rookie, Bridgewater plays well, that's a great problem to have. Now you have an asset. Now you have an asset in either Bridgewater or the other player that you've invested in that now you can look to add to your team in different ways. The risk with Bridgewater is not that he plays you out of a pick. Look, we need to break this mentality and thought process that you have to suck to get a quarterback. We've seen 10 of the last 11 quarterbacks that went in the first round of the NFL draft. Teams have traded up to secure that player. I do not give one fart whether or not the Dolphins go 2-14 and 14 and are naturally picking first, or if they go 5-11 slash 6-10 and 10 and they're picking 13th. You can get it done. You just need to be willing to identify your player and do whatever it takes. I'll say it again. Do whatever it takes. So yeah, the easy way to do that is to stink because then you're naturally going to be selecting high. You don't have to worry about parting with additional draft capital. But that's why these foundational periods of the Dolphins are so important. These opportunities to build the rest of this roster with young, cheap, competitive talent that you can hope will be brought to another level and cultivated courtesy of the efforts being made by the coaching staff to coach players, not just plug players in, but to coach players, develop players. That's something Brian Flores talked about at the NFL Combine. We're looking to, to develop everybody. We're not just looking to develop rookies or second-year players. Everybody needs to be coached. And that's something that sounds very basic, but I'm here to tell you that does not always happen at the NFL level. So that's the risk, quote-unquote risk, with Teddy Bridgewater, and it's a a risk I would totally be on board for the Dolphins to take, and so should you. Before we go any further in the show, I would like to talk to you guys about an announcement that we have. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire and save $10 on a value trial set that includes a five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of those for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your free trial by going to harrys.com bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% full quality guarantee. 
If you don't love your shave, let them know and they will give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. And we have more good news here on Finit to win it. The first weekend of the NCAA tournament is the greatest betting event of the year. Whether you like filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting first-round upsets, or all the above, MyBookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Will Zion Williamson and his teammates cement their legacy at Duke with a title? Can Virginia get past its loss to a 16 seed last year? And can Kentucky get back to the Final Four? If you know the answers, or even if you don't, MyBookie is the place to get in on the action. They have something for everyone, even you, multiple bracket guy. MyBookie has been in business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business. And here's the best part. They pay out fast when you win. I'm talking 48 hours. Bet with the best, then kick back and enjoy March Madness while you watch your picks cash in. Deposit with MyBookie today with promo code BLUEWIRE for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. With MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Shoot. This was the part of the day and the show I was hoping I would run out of time for before I had to talk about it. Of course, talking about Cameron Wake signing a three-year deal with the Tennessee Titans to presumably, you'd have to think, the man's about to be 37 years old, end his career in Nashville, Tennessee, instead of South Florida, which he played some of the best football in my lifetime we've ever seen from a Miami Dolphin. Cam played 10 years in Miami, coming in as a 27-year-old rookie in 2009 and logged 98 sacks in 10 years. Just a phenomenal football player. And I know this may be a little takey for some folks, but Cam Wake deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He should be the Dolphins' next Hall of Fame player when it's all said and done because the barometer for a Hall of Famer is what? It's a player that had a stretch of time in which he was dominant at his position. And I don't think there's any question that Cameron Wake had one of the more dominant stretches of being a pass rusher than what he had when he came into the league and logged 14 sacks in 2010. Eight and a half with more QB hits than he had in 2010 and 2011. And then 15 sacks in 2012 and was a first-team All-Pro defender with 33 QB hits, the most in his entire career, in addition to those 15 sacks. Then 8.5, then 11.5. Then he had 7-7 seven and seven games before he tore his Achilles as a 33-year-old speed rusher, and we thought he was done. Then he came back the next two years and logged 22 more sacks before logging six last year, his last in Miami as a 36-year-old player. Started and played in 14 games. What a phenomenal football player. 22 forced fumbles. Has an interception. Had that safety in 2013, the walk-off safety against Cincinnati. 
on Thursday Night Football, on Halloween, how could you forget it? That's one of my favorite moments of being a Dolphins fan over the past 10 years. That game right there, that safety win in overtime against the Bengals. And Cameron Wake, all you can hope to do is tip your cap. Because what a story. Undrafted out of Penn State. Cut by the Giants. Goes to Canada. Hones his craft for several years. And has half the league bidding on his services in 2009 as a 27-year-old who never played it down in the NFL. Never played it down. Had half the league, 16 teams. And he chose Miami. And he's proceeded to blaze one hell of a path for himself. Five double-digit sack seasons in five seasons. And the only two seasons he didn't have more than eight and a half was a season he played seven games in, his first season, and his last season. Thank you, Cameron Wake, for a lot of great memories and a lot of great plays, and we wish you nothing but the best of luck, except when you're playing Miami in Tennessee. I hope you find a lot of success, and I hope you find a Lombardi trophy, because you weren't going to win one in Miami playing another three years here. But you deserve one. Let's talk about some free agents that we didn't sign to wrap up today's show. I got two. Juwan James is one. Listen, I understand the market dictates that players who are perceived to be quality starters are going to get a lot of money in the NFL. But the Dolphins did absolutely the right thing in not giving Juwan James a four-year, $52 million contract with $32 million of that guaranteed. That's $8 million per year guaranteed. That's $13 million per season. I don't know if you guys are math majors or not, but that is more than Lane Johnson has on both fronts. And he's the highest-paid right tackle in football. Jawan James is now the highest paid right tackle in all of football. And that, to me, is really difficult to wrap my mind around. And that and the Trey Flowers contract, which is five years for $90 million, an average of $18 million per. These are the difference between the old Dolphins and New Miami. This is New Miami, folks. And here's the difference between tanking and trying to win but building your foundation. If the Dolphins were tanking, they're not offering Jawan James a competitive offer. If the Dolphins are tanking, they're not offering Trey Flowers a competitive offer. They have said, this is what we think you are worth. This is what we will pay you. We would love to have you. But if it's going to be all about the money, we're not going to give you the most, the, the highest offer because we've assessed you as a player and we don't think you're worth it. That's not to say you're a bad player. That's not to say you wouldn't be an asset on our team and we would love to have you. But we're not going to open up the checkbook and write 
checks for contracts that two years from now we're going to regret the way the New York Giants did with Olivier Vernon. And guess what? They gave Olivier Vernon away to the Cleveland Browns. Couldn't get rid of him fast enough because the salary cap hit was massive. It's how the Dolphins cut in Dominican Sioux three years into a six-year contract because guess what? They opened up the checkbook to make the big splash play. These contracts almost never live up to the hype and the expectation that comes with them. So that's why Miami says, we want you to be a part of this football team, but we are going to offer you what you're worth. And if you want to go somewhere else, because the open market's going to dictate, you're going to get that swell in your salary, best of luck to you. Our goal is to build through the draft primarily anyway. Juwan James, leaving and becoming the most high-paid right tackle in football, right now has the Dolphins in line to secure a third-round compensatory pick in 2020. That's excellent. That's the model. Because these picks, ever since they've been unlocked and are able to be traded, that's, that's a really powerful weapon to have a couple top 100 draft picks in your back pocket because you didn't overpay somebody. You'd rather let them walk get a replacement that's a slight downgrade for half the money and get the third-round pick that's a top 100 player. What's not to like about that? It's the model the Patriots have been exploiting for years. Now we got Brian Flores in here. Chris Greer has a bit of a Patriots background as well. Lots of Patriots backgrounds. Front office, coaching staff, players. New Miami is going to look a lot like New England. For better and for worse. Is it going to work? I don't know. But we're going to be here to find out. So make sure you hit subscribe here on Fin It to Win It. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the podcast. I had a blast breaking down these first couple, this first wave of free agency. Now the real stuff starts. Now the real business begins. Because now there's cuts. Guys that don't cut against the comp. Now you have this second wave of free agency where everybody's assessing, guys still on the market. Now you can start to wheel and deal a little bit. Players might be a little more willing to sign. And I think as we progress, you're going to see Miami's not necessarily looking to just blow it up, stink it up, and tank. And that's something I look forward to breaking down to you guys. I'm planning on being back over the weekend to break down this second wave of free agency. This is a weekly show, but special times call for special measures and that's exactly what we're going to do so i'll talk to you guys in a couple days kyle Krabs at grinding the tape make sure you swing over to dolphins wire or usa today Dolphins site which I'm, I'm running on a daily basis and having an absolute blast doing swing over to the draft network check out some draft coverage very important for the dolphins as they are a team that's looking to build through the draft thanks so much for tuning in and i'll catch up with you guys again soon